Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. Um, I am really just figuring this shit out, um, but the quality of sound on the first 10 minutes of this episode is really garbage. Um, I recorded something to the effect of this episode literally four or five times, so I just couldn't not publish it um and I did it in a soundproof studio after getting a tutorial and watching approximately 97 hours of YouTube videos um and this is the best that I could get out of it so please bear with me thank you for so much for coming back and listening after the pilot if you're somewhere loud please skip to another episode and come back to this one another time in the future when you can listen with better headphones or on a desktop it was just too important to totally leave out, but I will. I do hope that you will give me another chance after this, and thank you again. I love you guys. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast, hosted by Liz Basil Lewison, at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. All right, here we go. Let's do this thing. Um, I am feeling a lot better about this today uh, than I was in the pilot episode. Um, that was super scripted, and I was freaking ready to shit my pants for like days before. So I am going to try and wing it a little bit more, which I am certain will be easier when it's like a conversation. There's something terrifyingly numbing about looking at a microphone um, and a computer with making little wavy motions back at me like to dictate my voice. Okay, all right, so let's do this. The reason that we're here is because I did a th- about a year ago and I came out of the thing feeling like I had this just renewed spirit and I was like the happiest person on the fucking planet and it felt really goddamn good. And so when I started talking to people just with this like new sense of like gratitude and like just like a changed perspective, I was happier because I had this awesome experience, but I was happier because I was more grateful for things and because I was slowing down and enjoying life and it's, you know, crazy moments and and enjoying the crazy moments instead of just being angry with them um and it was it was really I slowed down um long enough to stop and smell the roses to enjoy fucking life so you know the more I talked to people the more I realized just how few people were meeting me where I was and everybody was kind of really unhappy and in this darkness and I had been in that darkness um you know six months earlier and that's what kind of prompted this this thing that I did this awesome fucking first trip that I went on so I believe that everybody is in this darkness not everybody but a shit ton of people are in this darkness and I believe that this darkness is because we are all feeling lonely and I I think that the loneliness comes from feeling that we don't have a purpose and this is I I went to college for anthropology and so this is my anthropological perspective of the matter is that we used to come from small tribal villages where everybody's purpose was just like deeply ingrained you know in their family and there was you know maybe like a shaman or a village elder that would help you find your way if you felt 
lost. I can't watch Moana without feeling like I am Moana. So I I think that that is kind of like the story that we all have. And that's why we all love like the underdog stories is because it's we, we have this feeling of, of isolation, of loneliness, of being like a black sheep, of being misunderstood, being a misfit. And the crazy thing about this is that we, we all feel that way. We all feel like we're being misunderstood. So if we all feel like that, then there's got to be other people like me who, you know, will talk to me about this shit. And so that was the other thing that I realized. The more I was talking to people about my joy and my happiness, the more the darkness came out. And I, you know, realized that that's, that's why I have so much happiness is because I have faced the darkness. So so the big trip that I went on, the big thing that I did last year was I quit my job and I took all my money that I had saved from my deployment and I bought a one-way ticket to Western Europe and I backpacked for three months. What prompted the quitting my job was the end of a four-and-a-half-year relationship with my ex-boyfriend. And so... I had thought, we both had thought that we were going to get married and buy a house. And when, when I basically decided that, you know, we actually weren't happy, um, we were spending a lot more of our time fighting, um, and me, a lot more of my energy that I would prefer to be, you know, used towards something good was just being spent on fighting. Um, and it was hard when it was just the two of us to enjoy everything. Um, and obviously you can't enjoy everything all the time, but it just, uh, it seemed like there was more unhappiness more of the time, even though obviously there were lots of good times too. But so, so we break up, I quit my job, I buy this one-way ticket. And I am telling my therapist before I leave, like a week or two before I leave for New York and then Germany, that, you know, I've never really given myself a chance to be alone. I've kind of gone from like one boyfriend to the next, you know, close friendships with relation or with uh, roommates, uh, you know, very close best friends. And so... I don't really give myself a chance to be alone. Pretty much like one relationship to the next. Uh, and then every time I'm in the car, I'm listening to a podcast or I'm on my phone. If I'm sitting on the train, I'm playing on my phone. I'm not just like sitting in silence. So I told her that I was terrified to be by myself. You know, I was in the army. I played sports in high school and college and growing up. So like I liked camaraderie. I liked to be part of a, a team um, and and being by myself felt really scary, but I, it felt like it was something that I needed to do. And so, but so, so I told her I was afraid of being by myself. And then when I actually got there, I'm going to shorten this up. Normally this story alone could take several hours. If you are a close friend or family a member of mine, you know this with absolute certainty. I may in fact never finish the story, but so... <laughs> I turned out to really not ever be alone. So I get overseas and I use, you know, couch surfing apps to meet friends. I meet people in hostels. I, I say yes to everything, like everything social, everything fun. So 
it ended up being very ironic because I was so afraid of being by myself, of not having people that were close to me, um, which is uh, – I was so afraid of it that I ended up deciding to get a job for um, four and a half weeks of the 12 weeks that I would spend on on this first trip, um, living with another – with a family, an Italian family, teaching their two kids English um, because I had had six or seven years of experience working with kids at that point. So it seemed like an easy way to kind of keep costs low uh, and also – feel like I had a home base. I had, you know, people that were like close to me. So both before uh, in Germany and, and Amsterdam and after in uh, after Italy in six other countries over the course of the, you know, next eight weeks or whatever it would be, um, I was so open about my darknesses, whatever I had been hurting from, you know, in during my deployment two years earlier or in my breakup six months earlier or since I was 16 and fighting with my parents, um, you know, or whatever, like fr- fights that I've gone in with friends, um, body image issues, all kinds of um, various you know, growing pains, um, various darknesses. And I was just talking about them as they came up. And it, what it led to was this like absolute release of, of fear around them, a uh, fear of, you know, people seeing and hearing the insecurities. And it, it like took away the power of whatever the darkness was. So if it was uh, body image or body dysmorphia, if I, you know, felt a connection to somebody and the moment arose where I could say, tell a story about, yeah, um, you know, when I had a little bit of an eating disorder in college, this would happen, whatever. Uh, when I would talk openly about mental illness, uh, yeah, when I was uh, in therapy before this trip, I was talking to my therapist about, okay, normalizing therapy. Suicide would come up in conversation, being, seeing people overdose and, and commit suicide intentionally. Talking about having a pretty shitty relationship with my dad or uh, having blocks around money or, you know, feeling really like ashamed of a certain behavior or a body part or whatever it was. But like talking about these things that like, seems to me now after talking to people about it for the last whatever nine months or so that these are very like culturally universal issues that everybody kind of deals with and because I was talking about them openly I was connecting more deeply with people Mm -hmm. and we were finding these you know very deep core common human struggles in our experiences whether we were from the U.S. or uh, Italy or Belgium or Brazil or wherever I mean we we all have such a such a eerily similar story you know we're all kind of just trying to get by trying to figure shit out and our whole world is our whole perception is is shaped by our experiences so we kind of all have this feeling of isolation and feeling like you know, a misfit, like we're misunderstood and that we don't have a purpose. Um, 
So if we are all feeling isolated and alone, then how does that make sense for us to all be separately alone when we're all, I mean, we're all together alone. We're literally like living side by side and angrily. I was sitting out front a couple, probably months ago by now at my parents' house and just thinking about like how nostalgia growing up, like I would be jumping rope on the street across the street at my best friend's house or riding bikes through the neighborhood people would be like out front I don't know it was like nostalgia so you know it was it's better than I remember it of course when I like go back and read my fucking diaries from 14 to 17 I was like massively depressed and then the same thing again in college so whatever but the point is if we're all isolated and alone but we're literally living side by side like there's got to be a way to improve the situation and so that is what this episode was all about or supposed to be and I didn't get to like 97% of what I wanted to talk about but that is unsurprising I still think it was pretty quality uh first second 15 and uh and I love you very much All right. Thank you so much for listening. Splitting the episode into two parts was brutal and I couldn't get back on track. But the point of the nostalgia story in the end was that growing up really before the internet age, you know, we got our first computer in my house around 1999. So I was 10 years old already. So just throughout my childhood, and I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to this, I just don't really remember a time in life where it was a nice day out and people weren't outside talking to each other and enjoying the day. And now we just don't see that. There is We don't see as much like human connection, even though I think people are craving it that much more. And so I like think about after a storm or a natural disaster when the power goes off, what does everybody do besides like get the candles and the flashlights ready and make sure that their phones are on like power save mode? Everybody goes outside. We want to exchange stories with the neighbors. Those are the moments that connect us. And unfortunately, it is mostly in moments of tragedy that I think we feel our sameness and less in our joy that we feel our connection. Um, But as a result of our smartphones and iPads and laptops and 100 million devices, we have fewer opportunities to even get a chance to interact and connect with people in front of us because we're so busy and distracted by things that are far away or on our screen. So I realize the irony of telling you this over a podcast and on my Instagram, but what I'm saying is not to revolt against the machine, but when we do have a chance to connect in real life, people are craving it so much more. And there's usually already an existing darkness and a void that they're hoping to fill by connecting. So thank you so much for bearing with me through this garbage audio (laughs) in the first half of this. I appreciate your patience with me as I navigate these new waters. I love you the most and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.